Ready to get your business social media on? Settle in because leveling up your business social media is here on the eGen Solutions Podcast with host Jennifer Sennett. Welcome to the show. Well, hello, everyone. Thank you again for coming to watch our video and listen to our podcast for eGen Solutions, the podcast series. And I'm so excited to have with me today, Penelope Trunk. And um, she's just a very interesting entrepreneur, lots to talk about, and I'm going to let her take it away. But I've been following her career from afar since Brazen Careerist, and uh, now she's moved on to other things, and we're just going to have a really great talk today. Thank you so much, Penelope. Can you please tell people a little bit more in detail than I did <laughs> about your life and about everything? Because it reads very well, and there's, you have a lot of things going on. <laughs> Well, I don't even I, know where to start. <laughs> I think my career started when I announced that I was going to play professional beach volleyball and people were like, that's not a job. And I was like immediately won, won the label of a failure. And what that does is it kind of takes the pressure off you. Like once your parents are lying about what you're doing and you're not making any money, then um, risk taking becomes a lot easier, which is that what happened? Time. Well, yeah, they told everyone I was applying to law school and <laughs> I went to LA with no money. I, it, I don't even know how I got the guts to do that, I guess, because I thought, well, I have nothing else I want to do. So I went to LA with no money and had to figure out how to support myself playing beach volleyball. And so I got to number 25, ranked wow. 25 in the world. And I learned something really, really important because every week I would just go get my butt kicked by um, our Olympic team because of how the rankings are. I'd be like the first person to hit them in every tournament. So they like, the serves were incredible. And every time they'd miss a serve, they'd want to kill themselves. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, you are so crushing me and I don't want to kill myself when I can't return <laughs> And so it occurred to me that the way you get ranked higher than 25 is you live and die for what you're doing. It is so important what you're doing. And so I thought I have to like have something more important. I'm never going to be ranked higher. I don't care. Sometimes the serve would be coming at me and I'd be thinking about something else. Like nobody does that on the tour. Nobody. Mm -hmm. it, it's so so I went to graduate school for writing and all I learned in graduate school was that you can't make a living writing. And so <laughs> you always hear. Yeah. And so, and also at my particular graduate school, you couldn't really get anywhere without having the interest of one of the teachers. And I was only getting the interest of women, which is like the story of my life. Everyone thinks I'm gay. So nothing was working out. And uh, so I left and the only thing I knew how to do was hand code HTML because my boyfriend who dumped me, that's the only way I could talk to him was over the internet, which like it was a, not a functioning internet at the time. So the only job I could get was hand coding HTML, but it paid $80,000 a year, which to me was like, I, I was a millionaire. Like I, I literally thought I could like raise a family on that money. Like I have so much money. I couldn't believe it. And like, so that ended really fast that I thought that was a lot of money. And then I was kind of at the right place at the right time a lot. Like I launched the second ordering system on the internet in the whole entire world. And then I launched 
like the first online like thing that gets updated software that can get updated online. So I didn't think of any of this. I had no, I'm not very technical at all, but I looked very technical. So people gave me money to do startups and it turned out I was really good at that. So I did three startups and I broke a lot of rules that you should never break. Like you cash out of one startup and invest it all in the other. Don't ever do that. Like only girls do that because men tell boys don't do that. That's bad. So like big girl mistakes like that. And then I relocated to New York to get married and I was at the World Trade Center when it fell. And then everything was really stupid after the World Trade Center. And what was really stupid is that my office was telling me that we should all still come in. I was like, you guys are total idiots that we're not doing that. And so I had a kid with like every other person in New York. And then all I was trying to do was support my kid and not go to work. Because I was like, why would I leave my kid with someone else? I just had my kid. And there was no other way to make money except go into an office. And investors don't invest in you if you're going to stay home with your kid. So that is the story of my life then is me trying to figure out how do women have kids and make money. And I basically spent 20 years sifting through all the lies women tell each other. And I'm the world's, I think my expertise is I'm the world's biggest expert at hearing a woman say what she does and being able to pick out all the bullshit she's telling all the other women so that she can think she's really great and the perfect mom and the perfect worker and so greater than everyone else. And then everyone else feels like shit, but actually no women are taking care of their kids and working. It's just not happening. Well, So I'm going to ask you a question because I do not have kids and I have said many, many times, there is no way I could do a business if I had a family. There's just no, I don't, I don't think I would have the capability of doing it. (laughs) So I, I, because I have friends and other entrepreneur and, and, you know, they're always telling me I have to go to this, I have to go that. I'm like, oh, I just, I would lose my mind. So how, what would you say, what advice would you give? to someone who is looking at that? I mean, that's a loaded question at entrepreneurship. Well, you look at when women think they can do it, they look at someone like me. So I make like probably, I don't know, 200 or 300 a year and I homeschool my kids and I'm home with them all the time. Mm -hmm. And they're like, Penelope could do it. I could do it too. (laughs) But before I was doing this, I was making quadruple that and I was working hundred hour weeks. So to me, relative to what I was doing, this is retirement. Right. So what women are able to do is relative to what you did before you had kids, you can be in retirement. If that makes money, that's great. But whatever you're going to do, you're going to work maybe a fifth of what you used to work. Because of the time and other other responsibilities that you have. Because it's absolutely absurd to miss your child's life so you can sell more widgets. Like nobody, that's why I said by third grade, women stop working outside the home because it's absurd. It it doesn't make any sense. It's just you can't see that. Maybe some women don't see that till they have kids. I didn't see it till I had kids. I think too, the age of the internet has greatly helped. No, the age of the internet has just put more pressure on women because Tim Ferriss is like, work four hours a week. That's right. I remember reading that you do not like him. Well, I don't like, I mean, every guy. So right now I've been looking at Facebook because Mm -hmm. I leave so much money on the table. It's unbelievable. So (laughs) 
they're looking at like people who tell you, you know, here's what they did to earn a million dollars on Facebook. And uh, they're all single guys. Like it's the world of single men using the internet to earn tons of money and then telling women who want part-time jobs they can do it too. But no, you cannot do it. They work hundred hour weeks and they look like they don't. They're they all they talk about is like dating and going to the gym and they're uh, their bi-coastal lifestyle, but they're working the whole time. Yeah. So it just, it's just more pressure on women. I think the only thing the internet does that's good for women is that it's not so lonely sitting on the playground. Cause like if you sit on the playground watching your kid, which is so boring, but if you take your eye off your kid, they die. So if you have the internet, then you can like have some kind of respite from the boredom of keeping your kid alive. If you don't have a friend at the playground. Yeah, I gotcha. That's what the internet does for women. And it's good for community, to build a community, correct? The internet? Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, you don't make any money from a community though, I don't think. So let's talk about that because there's a lot of, especially in my industry, you hear that all the time, build a community, build a community. Wait, why do you hear that? I'm so interested. Why do you Mm -hmm. hear that? So building a community means building a like-minded group of people that are either in lifestyle or how do you make money from them well let's let's talk about let me think about some big brands that are doing it lifestyle wise what do you know i keep thinking of like the kashi people or (laughs) nike but those those are not big brands already big brands and so so, i have buy-in okay so yeah, I don't think you can make money off community. And I say this with 120,000 Twitter followers. I, I think if you put a gun to my head, I could maybe make $400 from them. So I have a community around Asperger's because as it turns out, everyone who likes me has Asperger's. Big surprise, because I have Asperger's. <laughs> so that I think was accidental. Here's an interesting thing about the community, because I'm all about... I am really, really good at building communities without a brand. Like, so I'm not Nike, but I can still build a community. Right. But I don't see how people make money from that. I think it's really limited. So, well, it's limited, limited. possibly. It it just depends. So if for, with Asperger's functioning, and I've read some of your blogs and some of your courses, functioning with that, is that difficult in a job? People with Asperger's who will make, you can make money from as a community are women because they're late diagnosis and they want help. Mm -hmm. Men with Asperger's can't see that they have it. It's too much. And companies that hire people to help uh, with Asperger's only do it for the very, very top employees. Like I had somebody who was just there to keep me in line, but that's expensive. That was 70,000 a year. Yeah. So I think the whole thing about making money from community, I think, I mean, I'm still thinking about it. I'm still forming my opinions about it, but I think that it's social proof if you have a community. So for example, Juice doesn't make money off her community. She makes money off people believing she can build a community for them. Mm -hmm. And the biggest money I made from my community is I could launch companies with my community. So I'd get a company funded and then use my community as uh, the first launch point, but I'd always have startups so they didn't have to buy anything. You know, I'd have the kind of startups where 
you don't have to have cash flow. So I made definitely, I leveraged my community. Okay. But when people think they're going to get a community and then sell things to them, yeah, that is the, the cost of customer acquisition. If you're going to get a community, you should just go flip burgers at McDonald's. It's way, way more time efficient. So time, that's exactly, exactly where I'm going with this. So, uh, and that kind of goes into influencer campaigns as well. A lot of people think, oh, I'm going to have all these influencers talk about my product. I'm going to build a community that way. I mean, those are the buzzwords I hear. It takes a lot of time and energy to do that. Influencers get their influence offline and then bring it to Instagram as a way to market their influence to brands. Okay. So, um, a really good example, I'm just getting ready to publish this actually, uh, since I was getting my hair cut and, um, the hairdresser is like, Oh, I heard you're a big blogger. I want to, um, be, well, she didn't say blogger cause no one says blogger anymore. She said influencer. She said, I hear you're a big influencer, which I'm like, I just have a blog. I'm like a thousand <laughs> years old. Okay. So she said, I hear you're a big influencer. I want to be a big influencer. So because I've Asperger's and I want to cause conflict everywhere I go, I was like, oh, what do you want to be an influencer? And I should have been like, oh, that's nice. And just shut up. But I have to pick at it. It's like picking at a scab. So she's like, she showed me this person who does braids and she, the braids are absolutely stunning. Her Instagram is stunning. Everything about her, the whole thing. It was like, even I, like I have zero care about braids. I can look at the thing the whole time. So my hairdresser was like, I want to be known for braids too. Okay. So I was like, okay, there's no way in hell that she is going to, but I'm going to figure it out anyway. So during the time she was cutting and coloring my hair, I figured out that the way this person got good at braids is she knew that was her thing. So she'd go to um, cities all over the country and teach people, teach hairdressers how to do braids. And that was really cheap. And she'd tell all the hairdressers to put the braids they do online and tag her. And then she'll, she'll comment on it. She'll tell them how they're doing like for forever. And so every client that they did, they'd do that. And then the client would follow her because they'd be like, I learned this from her. And she traveled nonstop for two years. I'm probably living like a gypsy. Wait, is that not PC to say gypsy? I don't know. She Airbnb'd it. Yeah, they're, they're way better. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's not a good life. And she's not a hairdresser, right? Then she's a hairdresser trainer. And all she does is tell people to talk about her and braids, right? She's basically selling herself. Nobody wants to do that. Everybody is like, I just love hairdressing. I just want to be known for braids and have like Paul Mitchell sponsor me, whatever. Oh yeah. I see what you're saying. I want to travel all around the country and have to um, convince people to go to my class and then tell people to talk about me. And then I'll have an Instagram. So she didn't even talk about her Instagram until two years later after she traveled the whole country for two years. Right. Right. And, and had this whole like scheme. It's brilliant. Everyone should do it of everybody. She trains telling their people that, that they work with to go look at her Instagram. Yes. But so she did it very smartly. But, but again, she worked. <laughs> it wasn't like yeah, and, and I she, was in my salon and 
Yeah, right. And so she, and she didn't do it online. Right. I don't think you get Instagram followers by, I don't even know what you do online. Well, there used to be bots. There used to be a lot of things. And actually, if you do engage organically, you will, it's a, it's a long process. It's, it's not, not gonna... metric. So the people who are big are not engaging no, they're not. because that's no. not geometric. You have to be geometric. Yeah. So like when I was gaining my audience, I was published in 200 newspapers. So I, you could say like it's organic, but it's not because they, the newspapers each had their reach. Right. And I put my blog tag on the bottom of my newspaper column. So I just don't believe anybody is doing anything. There are no huge audiences that were organic. Right. I just, I, like, maybe in like 2005 there were. I, don't I think know. it is if there is a up and coming you know, if you're an early adapter to a platform, I think it's easy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. once it becomes popular and everyone's on it, forget it. It, it has to be okay. print. It has to be, uh, as you said, everywhere. I mean, you just said it. You know, you had your Twitter handle, I think, on your articles, correct? And I have my blog on my articles, but I was the only journalist on Twitter so anytime someone wanted to say, oh, there's a journal, journalists are using Twitter too, they point to me. Okay. And then Twitter would recommend me so Twitter could feel like there are really journalists there. It's so much luck. So yeah. much luck. No, I agree. And I, I've been on Twitter for a really long time and I have a following. And I remember one day I got 2,000 people and it was because Twitter put me on the front page one day. <laughs> right. I know it was just was starting way back in the early days and like 2000 people followed me but yeah exactly and again early adoption or early adoption of a of and a also geometric geometric yeah. because you're using somebody else's influence to get right. your growth and right. so that's why i'm so interested in facebook because i don't think you need a community to do well on facebook which is why men do better than women I mean, women are all about, I want to build a community and make money from a community and men are about, I want to have a four hour week and uh, make a lot of money. Yeah. And so. But is it fair to say, I don't think Tim Ferriss does a four hour work week because I follow him and that guy is working all the time. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. He's working all the time. But the people who love him think that if they follow him closely enough, they'll be working four hours. Yeah. Well, he, has some, he does have some really good hacks and tricks and ideas and oh, I should say yeah. tricks, but you know, efficient yeah. ideas. But, um, so, uh, I've, we've had a lot of fun here, but I'm wondering, I'm going to show everyone you. So for, for everyone that's watching, we're going to head over to Penelope's blog. This is your blog. You, how long have you been blogging? Um, for 20 years. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's crazy. There's 20 so years worth of content. Yeah. My blog was such a mess. I literally, cause it's like so antiquated in some, some of the things that we're running. I literally had to like take it all apart, like just dump everything and start over. I've had to do that on one of my blogs as well. It's heartbreaking in a way. <laughs> It's so much work. Yeah. yeah. It's like going through baby pictures or something. <laughs> right. Uh -huh. <laughs> then, but you have classes and how do you pronounce it? Is it Quistic? Did I say that correctly? Yeah. Quistic. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
And so on here, we can actually, especially write great, great blog posts. Is this your, yep. And we can purchase this from you to learn how to write great blog posts. I feel like that's a tongue twister. Is there any, like you have a, an array of items because you also talk about, again, Asperger hacks for people. And then you talk a lot about personality types. Right. So mostly with these classes, what I've, I'm not a great salesperson. I'm a great content person. I'm not very good at sales. So mostly with these classes, when I find myself saying the same thing over and over and over again, I do a class. And my idea was then when someone wants to talk about that topic, I'm like, go take this class. But what I didn't understand is that people always benefit from a coaching session first so that they have a framework for why the class is important to them. So I feel like this is like, I think, uh, like 101 in online sales, which I totally missed the boat on, is that um, you have to sell something to someone at the point when they know they need it. Mm -hmm. And I skipped the point, so I know how to tell what someone's type is, and then I skipped the point where they understand why that's important and what their problem is. So I went straight to, I know your type, so I know your problem. So now what I find is that people really need to have a coaching session first. So I do a coaching session. And then at the end of the coaching session, they're like, oh, I have all these other questions about it. And then I can say, oh, good, I have a class. And then they take the class. Right. Um, this is kind of an ill-formed this is my ill-formed idea of online sales. <laughs> but this is a good foundation. This is an excellent foundation. Yeah, so, it is. It um, is. Because I do the same thing. So on my YouTube channel, if I get clients or people asking, again, that same question, I do a video because for number one, it was out of frustration and, and a need for time. I didn't have the time to explain it. So I yeah. just did a video and sent it to them. And that's kind of how it started for me. But it, this is the same thing. And where I'm missing the point is I don't have courses. <laughs> Just give it free. I see, that. I see that so much that like someone is either good at selling or good at developing the courses. I see that over and over again. And I, don't, I think before I could see that, I had to see how bad I was at selling. <laughs> because it's, uh, it's like a way of thinking. You must have that. You have that way of thinking, right? Well, you know, the thing is, is I think it goes back to your comment about women. We can't have it all. I don't think as entrepreneurs, you can have it all. I think there's right. very few people that there's things that you're good at and there's things that you're not good at. And then there's things you really hate doing, but you can do. <laughs> so yeah. I think that there's that gamut. And then especially for entrepreneurs, there's things where you should let it go, <laughs> but yeah. you still need that control, right? But, so um, I have a really big thing as an entrepreneur, I scaled way back because I didn't want to have to be selling all the time because I'm so bad at it. And then what I realized is, so I couldn't hire someone like you, but that was totally stupid that I should have scaled up and hired someone like you. And then because someone like you can grow a business enough to pay for yourself. Yeah. And so that, I was really slow to come to that. That took me a while. Yeah. And I think every entrepreneur and even me, I'm, I'm in that process of, of looking for an online business manager, right? To kind of help me with things. But in the meantime, I'm doing everything that I should be hiring someone <laughs> to 
do. So yeah. it, I think it's in all of us. It's, it's everything. We've all done it. And we are still doing it. So if there is any one thing that you can leave us with today, what would you like it to be? This is my new thing. Scroll down to the bottom. I've never like walked anyone through my site because this is such a new, okay, here, go up a little, up, up, up. Up to this Wikipedia page? Yeah. So um, this is my, uh, I'm not good at sales, but I'm really, really good at content. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed two things. First of all, my kids who are 14 and 17, They'd say things like, mom, check this out. I'm the CEO of breakfast or mom, you've got to clean up the poop on the floor. You're the CEO of poop. And like, they just think CEO is a meme Mm -hmm. and that it's like so pathetic that everybody thinks they're the CEO of everything. And the other thing is that there are so many strains of people being completely sick of everybody looking perfect online and everybody wanting to be an influencer. And so I feel like the worst thing you can do is be like, I'm a CEO, I'm an influencer, I'm so great. Here's my great bio, my great story about how great I am. And so this is my little pushback here. And I'm like so embarrassed to be part of the world of people who say they're the CEO of everything, which I am. And so embarrassed when people call me an influencer because I think the people who want to do that are so vapid. And uh, so this is my, I don't know, my imposter syndrome problem or my like call out to all the people who are trying to be perfect. But my friend said that, okay, I did cut my own bangs here. And my friend is like, okay, it's one thing to look like you're pushing back. It's another thing to look homeless. And People don't want to talk to people who look homeless. So I'm considering uh, not having homeless bangs on my site. But I do think we help each other by being genuine and honest and not acting like everything we do is perfect. Because if we say everything that we do is perfect and working out great, then everyone around us does. And then we don't learn anything from each other. And women do it so much more than men. Oh, really? The perfectness? Yeah, don't you think? Yeah, I, well, I, I guess I, the women that I hang around, no. <laughs> <laughs> How's that? Because yeah. I don't have time for, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I, I know it's bullshit, as you said. <laughs> yeah, and well, so we should all look for that. We should expect that in the people we hang out with, that there's not that game of perfection. I mean, no. I actually stopped doing interviews for a while because I got so um, argumentative with the people that I was talking to because they're trying to look so perfect and I couldn't deal with the interview and I had to like take them down. And so my person who's getting me, who's like you, she's really good at online sales. She's like, do this interview and just don't be an asshole. Just try to not be an asshole. She said that to me. And I'm learning from this interview that it's great to talk to people who are real and everyone should try to find that because look, we got through an interview, I think without me being an asshole. Did we do that? Yeah. Not an asshole at all. Yeah. And it's because you're real. (laughs) Well, thank uh, you. I appreciate that. It's, it must be the Madison, Wisconsin uh, background in us, the Midwest background. (laughs) Yeah. Right. It's hard. People don't put up with that a lot in Wisconsin or they can't see it. One of the two (laughs) could be. 
Thank well, you. thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And I'm going to continue to follow you because I just love everything that you do and have oh. for, for years. So thank you again for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>